This is Conquering Columbus. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. I'm super excited. Today on the show, we've got uh, Tim Miller, CEO of Forge Biologics, joining us. And uh, during this episode, we talk about a wide variety of different things from how gene therapy works and some examples of different treatments. Right now, we do what's called a single gene replacement strategy mm -hmm. is the most common thing, right? For patients with cystic fibrosis, muscular dystrophy, babies are born with a defect. And the idea is, is can you give it back to them somehow? Mm -hmm. And the biggest challenges in gene therapy, and you start talking about disruptive technology or evolution of technology, has been delivery, mm -hmm. right? Because you have to get it to all the organs in the body. How Forge Biologics operates and what their go-to-market strategy looks like. Really, the predominant focus of the company is on the contract manufacturing and being basically a manufacturer of a lot of these viruses. And so we get to work with a lot of really neat, very interesting science and clients to make their virus for their clinical programs. And even how Forge and Tim are working to make Ohio a driving force in gene therapy and a center for biologics manufacturing. Yeah, recently we announced uh, the Forge Forward program, which is a partnership with Case Western Reserve University that we're expanding to additional universities and hospitals in Ohio that really talks about building a gene therapy and a biotech workforce. We're trying to do this, Ohio's not a flyover state anymore, right? We're trying to build this as a gene and cell therapy place to be. And Ohio's really where a lot of this is really based. So to do that, you've got to train and build a workforce. And so we're trying to partner with a number of different institutions to basically help train people. And so that's where we kind of start it was a really exciting interview. We all enjoyed it a ton. We hope you do as well. So without further ado, let's dive right into it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Mike. We got everybody in the booth today. Tim, Josh, what's going on? Not too much, dude. I think Tim's got a more interesting story than I do. Do you want me to go back through the dive into dating apps? I think we've... I feel like we've exhausted that. Yeah. Just know that Tim is back on dating apps, but... It, it very quickly about to delete yeah. them. Though. That was that was the purpose <laughs> of the story. Yeah, it's not it's going not great. great. But that's okay. It's a Tuesday. We're having fun. Why are you dressed all schnazzy today? Let's talk about that. Yeah, we started uh, before I you had, got here. Yeah, well, actually, we were talking about that before you got here. <laughs> but I was uh, on a couple client meetings today, so I wanted to make sure that I looked professional. When you're a 28-year-old VP of sales, you got to do your best to look older. <laughs> Otherwise, people are going to take advantage of you. That's why I grew this mustache. No, not, no joke. <laughs> three years gives me three years, Mustache which puts me years. puts me somewhere eighteen, I think. Right. <laughs> there you go. Can you button the top shirt of that button, or is your neck just no, way too bad. thick for it that? It doesn't. It doesn't. No <laughs> that's, that's remarkable. I can never get a shirt that fits me, but also buttons on the neck, so it's kind of a challenge. But that none of that matters. Uh, and just before you guys mention it, has anybody heard I'm from San Diego? Oh shoot! I, I, I walked out. That. I walked out to get them, and I heard I him say first. the first thing I heard Mike say is, "Yeah, so I'm from San Diego." And I was like, "Already?" Well, Hannah, who's here but isn't on the mic, so you guys won't hear her. But Hannah asked, "You know, where are you guys all from? You're from Columbus." So, in my defense, I was asked the question, but you don't need to defend it. I love it. It's my favorite part of the day. Uh, yeah, well, I think I think if someone asks that question, and Mike's not in the room. He automatically appears mm -hmm. in the room <laughs> just so he email. can tell you he's from San Diego. <laughs> And then he just poops. There you mm -hmm. go. Okay, well, now that we've got the running joke in, we can actually introduce our guest for today. So today on the show, we've got Dr. Tim Miller joining us. And Tim is a co-founder, president, and CEO of Forge Biologics, a gene therapy biotech company that is both providing manufacturing and development services to other companies and working on its own pipeline. So this dual mission is a challenge to build and operate, but the Forge team was able to raise $40 million in a Series A round a year ago from Perceptive Zontogeny. Got it. Wow, nailed got it. Got First try. Uh, and venture fund and drive capital to fuel this dual mission. And they also raised a, a $120 million Series B, followed nine months later in April of this year. 
And the company is now up to over 100 employees. But prior to co-founding Forge Biologics, Tim founded and spent time as president and CEO of Aviona Therapeutics, Inc. And he earned his PhD in pharmacology and molecular biology from Case Western Reserve University. So we're excited to talk with Tim about Forge Biologics, gene therapy, and much, much more. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Tim. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. And let me start by specifying that nobody in this room other than you is qualified to talk about gene therapy. So we're probably going to ask some dumb questions today. I'm excited because an episode with, with someone like you, it's like you could spend hours or days or whatever it takes just talking about your your background and your studies and your PhD, which would take us to levels way deeper than, as you can tell from the intro of this episode, we are uh, qualified <laughs> to go. But And then the business side of things, I mean, all that you guys are, are doing and have done from the raises and actually creating uh, an organization around this is, is quite phenomenal. I'm curious if we can start back in the beginning and talk about um, you know where you're from and and what took you along the journey and the route that you ended up pursuing. Yeah, well, I, uh, I grew up in Rochester, New York, and I uh, came out to Cleveland for school, went to John Carroll, and uh, did a dual degree there in biology and medieval and Renaissance studies. And I uh, figured that one of them was going to help me actually make a living, and so chose to go with the biology and stayed there for a while. And I uh, started working at Case and the Department of Neuroscience for a little bit, kind of you know, cut my teeth. And then in the uh, late 90s, went into uh, biotech and started doing gene therapy for cystic fibrosis in the early days. And so why Cleveland? Well, I went to an all-boys Catholic high school at McQuaid in uh, Rochester, New York. And uh, John Carroll seemed a natural pull. A lot of uh, friends and colleagues kind of went to uh, went there. So it seemed like a good fit when I was here. And I actually fell in love with the campus and stayed in the city uh, for 30 years. And so what drew you to, I mean, it sounds like science has always been your M.O., what is it about science and particularly like pharmacology, gene therapy, all these things that you've kind of gotten into over time? What interests you about them? What drives you to kind of continue to study that? Yeah, the cool thing about gene therapy is that it's uh, it's one of the best ways to translate science into new drugs, so new medicines. Mm -hmm. And so for a lot of the things that we work on, we are working on stuff that no one has ever worked on before ever. So, you know, today was a big day, right, in space land, mm -hmm. right, where you saw some of the space launch and people yeah, landing Bezos, and, yeah, Bezos, yeah, yeah, and all the cool stuff that came down. You know, and that's a neat discovery thing. But, you know, from a science perspective, you know, there are new and more discoveries being made in science every day. It's been a lot of uh, big year for science discoveries. And, you know, for me particularly, this was my dream of trying to find a way to help people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say nothing against Jeff Bezos. Please don't crush my career. Whatever you can do out there if you're listening to this podcast. But. Trust me, people, he's, he's not listening. He's not listening. <laughs> how many people does that impact space though, right? Like how many, how many people does that impact launching five people into space for a trip, right? Did that really not a huge impact? My favorite, my favorite part of the day was I was reading this morning because we, we announced a Series C today and it got launched right at the same time they launched into space, which was a little bit bigger news. But the headline was like about the 18 year old and they were like, it's fulfilling a lifelong dream. I was like, this kid didn't even know like what he was doing like three weeks ago. I mean, good for him. I'm not like super, I'm a little bit salty, but like it's a lifelong dream as if he'd been working forever. His dad's like a billionaire and he just bought a $28 million ticket. Lifelong dream. I was like, man, that's so out of touch. <laughs> but it was cool to watch and come back down or whatever. So yeah, you know, one of the, uh, one of the things they talk about because it's the same type element, like oh, all, this, all this money, mm -hmm. you know, can you do it on something? But what you, know, you hear from him is, as well, it's about hope, right? People look up and they think hope. You know, science, gene therapy, same type of thing, says it on my hat, hope. You know, that's mm -hmm. what we're all trying to do with science and uh, what Forge is all about. Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I could not be happier with the results. 
Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. So going back to your early professional career, how would you describe to somebody who's who's interested, but yet still kind of the layman on what your focus was uh, in the beginning? And were there certain transitions, like meaningful or significant transitions that you go back and recognize that continue to evolve you forward? Yeah, well, it goes back to my Magic the Gathering card playing days, but I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, when I think back... Um, it's really about finding a good mentor and finding a story about something that inspires you. And there's lots of that here in Columbus. So when I look back, it's really trying to be a figure and try to provide both a fertile ground for basically new entrepreneurs to come in and, and really kind of get that started. And then can you talk a little bit about just the gene therapies? Like if you're a listener out there listening to this and you're trying to wrap your head exactly around the science that goes into it, is it more studying the way that things are occurring in nature and things are occurring in the body and then trying to uh, evolve that or turn that into medicine? Like, well, what exactly does the value chain look like there? And, and what is the focus in, in this field? And how do you actually create disruptive technology or, or evolve it? Yeah, so when we think about the evolution of gene therapy, and it just depends how far down the uh, the rabbit hole you want to go here, but right now we do what's called a single gene replacement strategy mm-hmm. is the most common thing, right? For patients with cystic fibrosis, muscular dystrophy, babies are born with a defect in it. The idea is, is can you give it back to them somehow? Mm-hmm. And the biggest challenges in gene therapy, and you start talking about disruptive technology or evolution of technology, has been delivery, mm-hmm. right? Because you have to get it to all of the organs in the body. Uh, for most of the diseases that we work on. Um, and so you think about, well, how did you get there before? And you can look back into you know, the late 90s or the early 2000s and say they used a particular way to deliver genes into the body that just wasn't the best one. We think of it as what's called tropisms, right? So a lot of the viruses that we use, you, know, you can give it into the muscle, you can give it into the brain, you can give it into the liver. Mm-hmm. But if you use the wrong one, okay, the cells don't take it up. And so we didn't know that really until the past 10 or 15 years. And it hasn't always just been viruses, right? Like I think there was a, is it CRISPR? Mm-hmm. It's CRISPR. Yeah. So I studied biology in college. I'm really stretching in the back of my brain to remember those, those types of other ways that they were looking at, at gene therapies. But, but it sounds like viruses have become kind of the, the cutting edge of the technology because of, I think that with the CRISPR gene, it was, it was difficult to, like you said, spread it to the other organs and the other parts of the body that needed it. Right? Or am I, am I You're close. So you know, we're talking about um, CRISPR is more of a technology that's used to go in and... Ex- what, so let's back it up for a second. Okay. Right? So the main way that we go about this is you try to give back the gene that the kids are missing. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, a lot of times because cells divide, that'll end up... You might need to be redosed on something you know, five, eight, ten years down the road. CRISPR goes in to every single cell that you can get it to and exquisitely cuts out the right, one that's right, mutation. Okay, and then, you know, basically that's a permanent correction. So CRISPR is where we are now and for the next maybe four or five years. There's another technology, more technology coming out called prime editing or base editing. That's like CRISPR's big brother. It's the next step from that. That's disruptive. Yeah. For those who might not know, what is CRISPR? Because some people might think that it's a thing that you put the fries into. To You're pointing at me, I believe, if I if I can remember in the back of my brain, this is now I feel like I'm taking a biology test again. Oh, no, I was just saying for the, is, the casual listener that doesn't. It's not. An, is it an enzyme? It's not an enzyme. It's a, oh, I don't remember. It's gone. It's a, it's a protein. It's protein, goes in right? And it's a more of a technology that's used in addition with the protein to basically go in and 
find the specific mutation and be mm -hmm. able to use the cell's machinery and this protein to go right. ahead and cut it out. And it looks for a specific sequence in your DNA, mm -hmm. right? And that's how it knows where to cut. Is that still being used? It's actually just on the, that's the cutting edge, mm -hmm. unintended. So <laughs> the difference between the, uh, the, the cutting edge, I could find no other words, versus in cutting it off versus going in and adding a gene. Like I'm assuming that there's different use cases in each. Uh, it probably just comes down to the science of the actual virus or um, I don't know what the appropriate science term is going to be if you actually have to cut the gene off. But uh, how do you, how you go about determining what approach you take in that situation? And are there entire masses of people focused on the different categories or what does that look like? Yeah, good question. So one of the things about viruses is mm -hmm. that you can only package so much, okay, inside a virus, for example, to be able to deliver it. So some diseases you can target using a virus for delivery. Some genes are too big, okay, and you've got to go through some other path. So you can use a lipid nanoparticle, wrap up a gene in you know, a bunch of fats and inject it that way. So CRISPR sometimes is a little bit too big. The, the technology is trying to find new viruses, new ways to package and deliver to get CRISPR into all those cells. And it might help to take a step back and just talk about how viruses work in general, like a little bit of background, right? Like a virus, the way it, Josh, if you, um, I'm guessing. Probably not aware. Okay. And I'm they sure make there are me sick. That's about yeah. the sense. So the way a virus is just like a small package of RNA, right? Typically. Um, not always, right? RNA? Or DNA. Or DNA. Could be both. And you can feel free to correct him when he's wrong. I love when Mike is yeah, wrong. Yeah, happy to, happy to <laughs> My, get corrected here. I want to make sure that people get the right right knowledge. But like the way a virus replicates in your body is that it inserts DNA into your cells to have your cells create the proteins and that type of thing to build the virus. And then your cell generates viruses because like when a, when a cell copies itself or builds itself, it uses the DNA to build the proteins it has in its body, right? So your DNA creates an RNA, creates the protein. Very basically, very basic. Uh, but the virus, so because viruses do that, we can use them to insert the DNA we want to insert and kind of water down the virus to make sure it doesn't make you sick, right? Yeah, so we, so we take a, a virus, okay, and scoop out all this stuff that makes it both replicate and infectious for, by itself. So, it can, mm -hmm. so it's a non-replicating virus. And then we put back into the virus, we basically use it as a shell, as a delivery vehicle, right? And so... For the things that we want to package, whether it's cystic fibrosis mm -hmm. or you know, we work on a program called CRAB-A, um, another lysosomal storage disorder, using the virus is essentially a vector to deliver the correct gene or the machinery, or the CRISPR machinery. You can do that too. So how does this evolve and forge? Uh, maybe talk, take us back into where the science came from and, and how uh, everything came up from the ideation phase. Forge actually is a hybrid model. So we work under the hub and spoke model. So we have a private LLC, um, and then that basically has subsidiaries underneath each one of them that are C-Corp. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this hub-and-spoke model allows us really maximum flexibility, but really the predominant focus of the company is on the contract manufacturing, as being basically a manufacturer of a lot of these viruses. And so we get to work with a lot of really neat, very interesting science and clients to make their virus for their clinical programs. We have a very small pipeline, and that came out of um, the one that we've announced came out of the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, for a disease called CRAB-A. And uh, these patients basically 90% um, mortality by the age of three. Mm -hmm. So very lethal. And really there's only a few things that are out there. And uh, we've got the first of its kind in the world. So how did the idea come about from you? You were, you were obviously in this field for a while and you saw an opportunity to do things uh, more efficiently and effectively. How did that come about for you? Well, so I was approached by uh, my other co-founders, uh, Jason Eicholtz and Arandi De Silva. And uh, uh, working with Drive Capital, uh, largest VC in the Midwest, right? Shout out to Drive. 
came and said, hey, we want to start a company and we've got some of these ideas and very quickly changed uh, the, the idea formed. We're always going to do contract manufacturing, but decided to put some of our own pipeline in there as well. So that's how we started. And so as you kind of continue to scale and build this up, right, like I'm imagining that the, I mean, just manufacturing and doing clinical trials for one drug is a challenge. So as you build up and add more customers, well, how do you continue to scale that scope while maintaining, I mean, I guess it's got to be part of the reason you guys went with the hub and spoke model, right? So you can kind of keep these things separate. Mm -hmm. Well, let me, let me kind of pivot the question to just, okay. we'll, we'll tell you about why this model is actually important, right? So one of the really cool programs, first of its kind, came out of Nationwide Children's Hospital mm -hmm. from a company called Avexis. And uh, they make a drug called Zolgensma for patients or babies with spinal muscular atrophy or floppy baby syndrome. And you think about how much virus does it actually take, okay, to basically treat one baby? And, you know, we used a couple of different analogies to help kind of get this across about bioreactors and why this is so important. And so we, there's two analogies we'll, we'll use. One of them is the sneeze analogy. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, you know, Mike, if I was sitting across and gave you a, if I had a good wet sneeze, right? right. Sneezing COVID over at you, you know, I'd probably release about 100,000 particles, viruses yep. in the air. Well, when you put this in context for a, a baby that sits there and gets an injection, okay, that lasts, it's an infusion that lasts maybe 15 or 20 minutes. Okay, to, to put it in sneezes, mm -hmm. okay, I'd need to sneeze uh, 10 million times a day for a year straight. Yeah. Okay, so when you try to capture that- I would be that, so mad at you. Yeah, I know, right? That's a lot of- that's a <laughs> Anything lot of over two frustrates me. <laughs> you know, but it's, I mean, it, but it's a lot. Right. And when you start to put that into bioreactors and thinking about how much, you know, you actually have to make, you know, that one bioreactor that takes, you know, a week, you know, a couple of weeks to make, you can make about maybe 20, 25 patients. If you're trying to treat 500 patients a year- and you can only run, you know, a bioreactor every couple of weeks. You know, you can start to see where this adds up. And that's right. one program, right? So that's part of where the forage business model came from is that there's just this huge unmet demand for a lot of the manufacturing. No, it makes complete sense. I mean, as there are tons of genetic diseases out there that cause a lot of problems. And I mean, especially there's a lot of genetic diseases out there that either don't have enough people that are sick to justify the funding. So if you can or, you know, other, other situations like that where, you know, hey, I, there's not enough of a draw uh, in terms of ROI to create the drug. But if you can scale up the manufacturing, you can reduce the cost, the overall cost of researching and producing a drug, which might also allow you to help more of these people who are on the edge cases, right? Am I, am I thinking the right way about yeah, this? Yeah, you're thinking the right way. And I mean, gene therapy is really, it's all about hope, right? And mm -hmm. the field has moved in the past maybe 10 years to this area where the technology is caught up and been able to show that we can actually target and help these patients that previously there was no real way to help them. We're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors, the Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in Columbus. All right, let's get back to the episode. So... What kind of results and, and feedback, uh, maybe results is the right word, what kind of feedback have you gotten from the marketplace in terms of this model? And, and do you foresee being able to help many more organizations moving forward with the approach you guys are taking? Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily recommend trying to raise, uh, doing a fundraise in a pandemic, but uh, mm -hmm. raising a uh, $160 million across an A and a B within one year, market's been pretty receptive to this particular model and just the approach that the team's been on. And I mean, the leadership that's come on board on Forge is really what's driven a lot of the value. 
And uh, just when you look at the leadership team, it's over 150 years in actual hands-on gene therapy experience. And when we look back over the you know past four or five years of the, you know, the, the IPO classes of biotech for gene therapy in particular, hands-on experience and uh, success has been really the best proven track record for what investors also like. And so what does the total addressable market look like here? I mean, there's, I, I imagine there are quite a few companies doing, uh, you know, gene therapy, but I'm not sure there'd be thousands, right? So what is that market look like for you? Well, for any one particular client or any one particular patient, you know, disease category. So, I mean, t- two different things. Okay. So right. I guess I was just wondering about the total addressable market for any particular client, right? So like total... Total addressable number of clients you might have that would sign up to use you as a manufacturer. Or even how would those be correlated? I'm trying to wrap my head around how those are are linked together. (laughs) Well, so, I mean, so we're in dozens of conversations right now with potential clients or current clients. And, you know, every one of those clients has at least one, sometimes 35 or 40 pipeline programs, right? And each one of those programs is trying to meet an unaddressed patient population. So... When you think about it, <clears throat> there's a great organization out there called Global Genes. Um, go to their website. They've got lots of great facts on rare disease, but one in 10 people have rare disease right now. So when you think about you know, trying to d- develop drugs and try to develop gene therapies, you know, there's a huge unmet need. Mm-hmm. About 90% of the rare diseases right now don't have anybody working on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It goes so would, would rare diseases be kind of your story as a, as a company? Is that your focus or...? I would say serving um, clients um, that actually have rare disease um, or serving clients that have programs that are meant to treat patients with rare disease. Gotcha. Right, because you can you can take advantage of economies of scale on your end, which they wouldn't have been able to before. You got it. Yeah, yep. Makes complete sense. Yep. And really the, ne- the next goal is to make this the bigger populations, cardiovascular mm-hmm. disease, mm-hmm. Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. Those are really hard ones because there's no specific thing to go and pinpoint to go in and fix. Yeah, I'd imagine you could also look at like, so instead of just trying to fix something, you might look for genes that show up in populations that have low risk of cardiovascular health or things like that. And then you could potentially look at injecting those genes into populations where they have higher risk and see what would happen. I imagine there'd be a lot of testing involved before we did any of that. But I mean, I'm just trying to think about it. Like, for example, I think that the... um, in particular, Japanese population has very low risk of cardiovascular health, but I'm not sure if you could find any genes that might point to saying, hey, this gene helps maintain that. Maybe could you help not. me grow a beard? <laughs> is that the kind of stuff you could do? So skin gene therapy is super hard to do. Okay. Yeah, have you, see, have that. you seen those ads where they tell you, like, you know, rub this on or whatever and you can grow a beard? Uh, we, I've tried a few of those just kind of as an experiment with friends and uh, it didn't work. <laughs> here's, here's your billion dollar idea. I feel like there's a lot of money there. Entrepreneurs out there, gene therapy to restore hair growth. Yeah, okay. that is the, yeah. that is Have the any one. of those worked? Because I mean, I've seen over the years ads and there's like these big companies like Roman and stuff. We're getting off topic, but um, you know, as, as a marketing guy, you know, I've seen all that and I'm like, there's just, if that worked, it's like the, you know, you wear like the ab belt and it like does it for you. There's just no way it worked or everyone will be shredded, you know? Is there, are there companies that are actually doing that kind of stuff with your technology or is that is that, is that even possible? It's possible. Okay. Um, I mean, again, you've got to point to the why did people lose hair, right? Mm-hmm. So can you go in and fix that using either CRISPR, right, or a gene replacement strategy? Time will tell. Okay. Yeah, mine's not so much about losing hair. It's about never gaining it. Yes, yeah, I'm with Josh so, on that one. Oh, I think I'm looking for an anti-CRISPR. I don't want to name it myself, but <laughs> if we're going to create it, please do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll buy it as well. What yeah, about two, <laughs> two anti-CRISPR yep. <laughs> You got to raise another hundred million on mm-hmm. that, I think. Yes. 
Hey everybody, Mike here. We're gonna take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus, and we are very excited to partner with One Columbus. They really, really share the same vision as us here at the Conquering Columbus podcast, which is uh, really building up the Columbus region to be one of the most prosperous regions in the United States. And One Columbus serves as the business location resource for companies across central Ohio and around the world as those companies grow, innovate, and compete within the global economy. And they help us lead a regional growth strategy that develops and attracts the world's most competitive companies, it grows a highly adaptive workforce and prepares our communities for the future, inspiring innovation across the board. Their mission really is just ensuring the Columbus region is a vibrant place to build businesses and careers. So again, we really appreciate all of their support. You want to learn more about them, go check out their website, columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back into the episode. What about the goals for the future? Like, I mean, obviously we've talked, there's so much going on. Building the team's got to be a huge initiative. You got to be just be trying to hand off things left and right because I can't imagine one person could tackle all of this. It'd be unbelievably tough. Plus, I'm assuming you're still pretty passionate about the science side of things. So maybe if I wrap seven questions into one, what what are you focused on right now? What are the goals for the future? Yeah, recently we announced uh, the Forge Forward program, uh, which is a partnership with Case Western Reserve University that we're expanding to additional universities and hospitals in Ohio that really talks about building... Uh, a gene therapy and a biotech workforce, right? So we're trying to do this, you know, hey, Ohio's not a flyover state anymore, right? We're trying to build this as a gene and cell therapy place to be. And mm-hmm. Ohio's really where a lot of this is really based. So to do that, you've got to train and build a workforce. And so we're trying to partner with a number of different institutions to basically help train people. And so that's where we kind of start, right? So people coming out with a high school, BS, MS, PhD, and they still sometimes need training about how you actually work in a manufacturing facility for biologics. And so that's where we get to kind of step in and help. And, uh, you know, we potentially hire from that. So we're super excited about that as one of the future things. And what does that look like? I mean, it's just a random question. I'm, I'm trying to think of a manufacturing facility for biologics. And I'm picturing essentially just the room from Dexter and and then you in the uh, medieval costume or something. So what <laughs> what does that actually look like? I'd so watch I can, that show. So I can get that image out of my head. <laughs> well, it's a big white room, right? And it's mm. super sterile with a lot of really, really clean air. So people are fully gowned up, you know, mm. from head to toe, wearing goggles, gloves, double gloves. Um, it's basically, it's an environment where if you're going to inject something into yourself, right, you want to basically help super clean. Right. And also, I mean, anytime you're dealing with viruses, I mean, I'm sure none of the viruses are dangerous, but you know, nobody likes viruses getting out of labs. Right. And then here's probably another dumb question. I'm going to ask a lot of them because I'm so ignorant and I, and I feel like maybe some listeners out there don't know as much about the science things as well. I mean, Mike's mm-hmm. background no, in biology helps, I don't, but I don't have near enough of a background to be anywhat intelligent on this topic. So I'm Fire away with all the, the questions. The two questions anytime somebody tells me they're doing something innovative in, in the world of science is one, how does it does it ever relate back to helping on the cancer side of things? I have no idea if genes and cancer are going to be similar. Um, and then the other side, COVID alone, like from a gene standpoint uh, and dealing with viruses, did you did anything happen from your guys' side there? First answer about cancer, yes. Cancer gets lots of funding, it's lots of attention. It's always Marsha, 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 mm. okay, with regard to cancer. Mm. But cancer is, again, another difficult thing to target. There's a specific type of gene therapy using a specific type of virus that can go after different cancers. But you know, from a gene therapy, even with a CRISPR editing, that's the next wave of, of really gene therapy is to go into cancer, more cancer. And then your other question was... Uh, just COVID side of things. Was there any research yeah. around that? So when we look... Right now, um, today, 
Forge is probably number three or number four in the world um, with the amount of flow through and capacity from a manufacturing standpoint about how we can help manufacture um, what's called AAV or the adeno associated viruses, which is what we make for us and for our clients. You know, but in a year, um, we're going to be probably number one in the world uh, for the amount of dedicated AAV space. Okay, that's actually making commercial can make commercial grade viruses. Okay, or vectors is really what we think of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the virus sounds super negative every yeah, time. It's yeah. a vector. Really. It's, 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 it's a vector. Yeah. You know, but when we think about if we if Forge had been just a year earlier, many of our bioreactors would have been probably put to use making some form of COVID vaccine. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's incredible. So timing is just you'll look back. Timing's on that. everything. Yeah. yeah. What about uh, just on the personal side of things? Is there anything outside of? I mean, I can't imagine you have much free time. But um, hmm. what what are the personal goals moving forward? Is it really focused on the business or? Well, I am trying to fill my Pokédex, okay, and Pokémon. So, you, you know, I am a Pokémon master since I travel so much, but uh, that's one of the things that's just one of the fun things when you travel a lot. But um, lots of fun hobbies, martial arts, uh, do some uh, historical reenactment as well. But uh, a lot of time right now is spent working. I mean, it's just really trying to, when you're trying to grow a business, mm-hmm. that's where we spend a lot of time. But the nice thing about it is a lot of us are so tight in the company that spend a lot of time even outside of the office together. So are you traveling for the business right now? I just flew in from New York this morning. And is it just uh, nationally or internationally? Uh, right now it's just national, but it looks like borders are opening up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, so. you, and you guys will have value to travel. I mean, obviously this is a global reach. There's no doubt. Yeah, the nice thing about these types of when working with a lot of clients is you can freeze this, okay, right. and store it on drives and you can ship it around the world. I was about to ask that. I was like, so how do you ship a, a vector like that? And now that makes complete sense. Dry yeah. ice. Dry <laughs> ice, yeah, a lot of dry ice. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Mike here. We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, Revolution Group. And Revolution Group, specifically today, you know, we've talked about them in the past, and they were on the show a while back, but really, really appreciative of them sponsoring us after that. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk today about their managed IT services. So they have complete technology management of your business with remote and on-site IT support for everything from email to Wi-Fi to help set up your employees' new iPhone. And I know a lot of teams struggle with this. We struggle with this. We sometimes say at our company, hey, who's IT around here? And truth is, it's nobody. So uh, if you need somebody to kind of help support your team with those types of small issues, as well as the big issues like cybersecurity consulting to keep you and your data safe, as well as you know, having a virtual chief information officer for your business to coordinate the strategy behind your technology decisions, they can really help take care of that. And their core business is really taking care of your technology and allowing you to focus on your core business. And that's Revolution Group. If you want to learn more about them, go check out their website, revolutiongroup.com. That's revolutiongroup.com and tell them Concrete Columbus sent you. I think I got a final one on my side in terms of understanding the business is growing so fast. A lot of our listeners are young professionals, aspiring entrepreneurs. They would have no probably insight, I wouldn't imagine, into what it's like to be inside of an organization like that that just took on $160 million. Where do you, how do you choose to spend your time every day? How do you know where to put your focus? How do you know what to hand off? And how have you gone about just creating a team that's competent enough to pull this off? Yeah, that's a lot to unpack uh, right there. Um, you know, one of the things that we talk about is being fearless, mm-hmm. you know, um, and really trying to find ways to develop a lot of biotech companies, the science is often very strong and it's often challenged management teams that f- end up failing. You know, so one of the analogies that we draw a lot is that, you know, gene therapy is different. And, you know, working on a big cancer drug for a number of years in a career doesn't necessarily translate into do- doing something in gene therapy. And when you can look at some of the failures, you know, in the space, and you can point back to some of those as one of the reasons why. Um, but 
again, bringing in the team, okay, there's been a really important point in the story. And um, because they have done that in other parts of their career. So, you know, one of the things that you talk about, you know, with as an entrepreneur, it's surround yourself with people that have, you know, some of the wisdom to be able to help guide you. Um, lots of people are able to raise money, but not everybody has done the specific thing that, you know, you may have built your company around. So it's find a good mentor. Uh, that makes a lot of sense, Tim. And uh, I think that's a good place. And unless anybody's got any other questions, kind of pivot towards our last question of the show. It's centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, and that is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose that particular phrase, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career? Now we've actually, it's great because we talk about that in the company a lot too, about pushing yourself to be uncomfortable and part of your job and stretching, right? To reach goal, you know, but it comes back to, you know, <laughs> we joke about some of the things that we do to raise patient awareness and we do some of these mountain climbs and we've got mm -hmm. a climbing, climbing for cures is coming up or a bunch of the team at Forge is summoning Mount Adams. Uh, in August, and uh, mm -hmm. we'll put out something on social media around that. But you know, when you run through where you do these tough mutters, for example, you know, yep. and you're running through muddy with muddy shoes, and it's always about when you're trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, um, and it's really uncomfortable. You know, why? Why? Why is it uncomfortable? What's making you uncomfortable, and what mm -hmm. can you learn from that? That's actually going to make you know and build your team or build your company better. Makes complete sense. Too. Where's Matt Adams? Uh, it is in the Northern Cascades outside Seattle. How tall? Uh, Twelve thousand five hundred feet. And you've you sound uh, you, we talked about climbing mountains before. What's the tallest mountain you've summited? Uh, Pico de Orizaba in Mexico. Actually, it's eighteen five. It's a pretty good mountain. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Have you been just always passionate about that? Just doing it your whole life? No. The uh, the first mountain climb I did was Mount Rainier, and uh, with with some rare disease patients. On one of the we were working on a particular therapy for some families, and uh, they all came with us on the climb. When and is and again the whole the oh, whole mountain climb thing is a just an analogy, right? I mean, mm -hmm. like for rare disease development for building a company. And I'll tell you a story. I remember we were at, you, when you do a mountain climb, a mountain summit. You, you you start the summit morning at about midnight or one o'clock in the morning. It's dark. You got a headlamp on, and we had started out this one part where uh, you're going up this glacier at about ten thousand feet, and. <laughs> We were the last group out of like 18 mm -hmm. and I was the last person. And you could see, you could watch this train of lights going up. Now I'm thinking to myself, this is how every bad B movie starts, right? Mm -hmm. There's like, oh, there's a scream and oh, look, there's a frayed rope. Where did Tim go? Right. You know, but it was a really good analogy that again, climbing with rare disease families and patients that it's, it's a, it's a marathon. It's a climb. It's not mm -hmm. a, it's not a sprint. I do have one final question. Normally we wrap up with that one, but as you're talking, um, your personality and like the things you're passionate about and just you seem very lighthearted person. Like you just have kind of gone with the flow in life and followed your passions. Did you ever have a strong vision on like, I want to lead a business and I want to uh, be this level of success or has it been very serendipitous for you and uh, just kind of gone with, the, with what's, what's happened? What's the expression? Uh, luck is when preparation meets opportunity, mm -hmm. right? I think that uh, I'm a big fan of that particular expression because I've always wanted to be, to move my career forward. Um, but I've had some good mentors in the past and uh, sometimes you just have to take the leap, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, on the occasions that I did, it was serendipitous. So I've always kind of tried to follow the science as we often talk about, but when you can recognize that, bring a little bit of risk into it, but that creates the opportunities. No, yeah, it seems like, you know, good example of doing something you're passionate about, but also taking opportunities to stretch and grow along the way. It's been great talking to you, Tim. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Great name, by the way. 
Yeah. <laughs> Give it up. And, uh, everybody. Some do call me Tim. It's a great name. Love it. And <laughs> <Epic>. <laughs> thanks everybody for tuning in. <laughs> if you enjoyed that episode, you want to hear more, just like them. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app that you're listening on. Also help support the show. I appreciate all of your support and we will talk to you next week.